Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage. This is the podcast about some of the thousand plus bills the New Hampshire legislature considers each year. The legislative session may be over for 2022, but in this special edition of the podcast, we're taking a look at one bill in particular that could see a comeback in 2023. We'll give you the unbiased facts, pros and cons, and highlight opportunities for you to get involved and make your voice heard. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Anna, this is a really exciting special edition because we are recording in front of a live studio audience today. Yes, today we have students here from the Presidency and the Press, a summer program produced by the Marlon Fitzwater Center for Communication at Franklin Pierce University. This year, they are focusing on digital equity in New Hampshire as their topic. Well, I definitely hope we have a bill that has something to do with computers, maybe. Indirectly. In recent decades, access to high-speed internet has become an increasingly important issue for many rural towns and low-income communities in New Hampshire. In the wake of COVID lockdowns and the resulting shift toward rural remote work, the topic is even more relevant than ever. Still, despite demand, creating the infrastructure needed to connect far-flung towns comes with significant costs. In this episode, we're talking about one potential solution, municipal broadband, and the recent proposal, SB 247, to implement it. Yes, this is such an important topic, and especially because we're all here today creating this podcast remotely from our home studios. We have the students listening in remotely. Couldn't do that without high-speed internet, which is something that a lot of us probably take for granted at this point. You mentioned municipal broadband. Let's dig into that a little bit. Okay, so generally speaking, private companies that provide internet service stand to make big profits when they build internet infrastructure in large cities where they have a lot of potential customers. Common sense. Unfortunately, towns that have smaller populations can be left behind since their customer base is too small to warrant some significant upfront investment that internet service providers would need to make. This is where we get to the idea of municipal broadband. Right, that makes sense. Just because you live in a small town doesn't mean you don't deserve to have the internet. I can see how it would make less business sense for internet companies, though. So how would municipal broadband help address this? Rather than a large company providing internet, think Xfinity or AT&T, for example, municipal broadband networks are run by local governments or public utilities. They are designed to keep costs low and expand access to higher-speed internet rather than making a profit. There's been a boom in municipal broadband since 2018, growing more than 600% in recent years. In a variation, there can be a public-private partnership where towns put up funding to partner with that private company to expand broadband. Yeah, very interesting. And I can already see how this will get very complicated when you start mixing public and private money. What has happened legislatively on this issue? 2018 and 2020 saw significant legislation signed into law with regards to local broadband in New Hampshire. SB 170, a bill from 2018, clarified that towns could borrow money in the form of bonds to pay for building broadband infrastructure. Importantly, New Hampshire law says municipalities must determine that an area is quote-unquote unserved by broadband before taking out bonds for broadband expansion. So subsequent bills clarified how towns identify these unserved areas, which does include communicating with internet service providers. I've heard that term unserved has been pretty controversial, though. Yes, very controversial. Some granite staters are unhappy with this process to identify unserved areas. Historically, internet service providers have counted a census block as served if even just one or two residents are covered in that area. A 2021 report from Broadband Now examined this gap and estimated that just 82% of granite staters have access to broadband, compared to the Federal Communications Commission's official estimate 
which comes from ISPs, of 97%. That's a big gap, 97% versus 82%. So the legal definition of unserved also doesn't consider if residents want faster speeds than what is available, or if residents have trouble paying for what is available. Many people want to see New Hampshire communities take a more proactive response to this. And that's where SB 247, the 2022 bill, comes into play. SB 247 would allow municipalities and counties to take out bonds to expand high-speed internet access anywhere, not just at places determined to be, quote-unquote, unserved by internet service providers. Okay, but according to our website, SB 247 was sent to interim study, which is generally a polite way to kill a bill in an election year. As with many bills in interim study, though, the proposal could very well come back in subsequent legislative sessions. So let's talk about the pros and cons. Why do folks support this idea? Supporters of the proposal at the heart of SB 247 believe that, in today's world, broadband is as much an essential infrastructure as water or sewer or electricity. So it makes sense that towns should have broader authority to borrow money and ensure equitable access to the Internet for their residents even if those residents don't live in areas that are completely unserved. This could be an economic boon to New Hampshire, allow more business to operate here and attract more residents. It would also help New Hampshire students who use the internet to attend school or complete homework assignments, which was huge during COVID-19. Right, and like I said, for those of us fortunate enough to have internet access with high speeds, it's hard to imagine life without it. But there are opponents to this too, so what do they have to say? Some worry that this proposal, and others like it, would put towns in direct competition with internet service providers, which could endanger the investments these companies currently make across the state. So the cost to build and run internet networks is massive. So municipalities would have to set up the infrastructure and then also upgrade it, deal with outages, and so on. So we could create a situation in which a provider that borrowed millions to make their own investments over decades, potentially, find their efforts undermined by a municipal network. Alternatively, it could saddle the municipal taxpayers with ballooning costs. While SB 247 failed to make it into law this year, similar proposals may very well come about in the future. Whether you love this idea or you think it's wrong for the Granite State, you can make your voice heard. Get started by learning who represents you and who is running in the next election to represent you by visiting citizenscount.org. Sitting legislators can request bills for next year as early as September. So let your elected officials know if you have an opinion on municipal broadband or other bill proposals. All right, Anna, that means it's time for Only in New Hampshire, the part of our show where we dig up some weird New Hampshire trivia for our listeners. What have you got for us today? Well, as much as we all hate slow internet, it's worth taking a step back and remembering how crazy it is that we can communicate with anyone in the world in a fraction of a second. So speaking of building infrastructure and connecting far-flung places, let's talk about the history of the transatlantic cable. So in 1866, messages and news took weeks to deliver between Europe and the United States. So in response, telegraph cables were strung across the Atlantic Ocean. First, these cables connected Ireland to Newfoundland. Then, in July 1874, a ship called the Faraday laid cabled from Newfoundland to Rye, New Hampshire, the very, very classy beach town on New Hampshire's coast. So there is a neat historical marker in Rye marking the spot at Long Route 1A where that cable house used to stand. I know. I, I drive by that all the time going up the beach. And also there's some kind of like submerged Ice Age era forest there 
it's it's like a double historical marker. Have you ever driven by this, Anna? I have not. And I also, are you, do they have like petrified trees there? Because yes, isn't there something yes. about like, if you take petrified trees, like a stone of a petrified tree, you get horribly cursed or something like that? I, I haven't heard that, but it's probably on the marker. And I just know it's, it says like sunken forest and transatlantic cable. And apparently the, the cable is still kind of there, like in this sunken forest, it's like still visible. So Lots of history everywhere in New Hampshire. We can only speculate that aliens a million years from now are going to find the transatlantic cable and the petrified trees and just assume that mammoths were capable of high-speed communication across long distances. That, that's really the only reasonable thing to assume. In the meantime, though, that wraps this up for today's episode. But you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Also, of course, we want to thank our live studio audience for being awesome and making us feel famous. Our theme music is composed by me, Mike Dunbar. And lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people. 